Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to another edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I am your temporary fill-in host, Bill Berg Jr., uh, here with Bill Berg and Del Scanlon this week. How are you, gentlemen? Oh, I'm lovely. Up and breathing. This is a two-week-long edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey, so we're going to start with the uh, games of the week from... Uh, I guess the week before Christmas. Uh, so Burglar managed to go to both of those that week, and he will talk about them now. Yes, I did. Uh, the first one was on the Tuesday before Christmas, Chippewa Falls at Wausau West at Marathon Park. Um, in that game, Chippewa Falls got off to a slow start, or Wausau West got off to a fast start. West led, led 2 to nothing after the first period. And from that point on, it was just all Chippewa Falls. Um, they were out, yeah, West outshot Chippewa Falls 16 to 10 in the first period and scored two goals. And Chippewa Falls uh, outshot them 40 to 6 uh, for the over the span of the second and third period. Wausau West started uh, freshman goalie Julian Scalcucci in the net. Uh, he had had one previous start that was a 44 save uh, win over Wisconsin Rapids, a three to one win. And in this one, he was, he, he played well. Um, when I was going, when I was processing the pictures to put in the photo gallery, it was amazing just how many pictures was just like all of these red jerseys crashing the net in front of Scalcucci. Um, but he he did his job. He 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 kept uh, the puck out of the net in the first period. Um, Chippewa Falls eventually scored in the last minute of a uh, five-minute major uh, head contact penalty. So they finally got on the board. Um, a good play. Scalcucci made the first shot, but he he went he went down to the ice to make that save. Uh, the rebound was picked up right away and. Uh, the skater stepped around uh, Scalcucci and 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 scored, but just uh, I think it was uh, yeah. Dave Bo Drew Bow got off the shot. Uh, Mason Johnson picked up the rebound, um, but yeah, it was so it was West was still up two to one. Then just a fluke goal tied the the score uh, in the second or in the third. Um, the shot went over the net hit off the, the glass behind the net and came bouncing back over the net again. Um, you know, the goalie doesn't turn around for that shot, so it kind of hit him in the back. He tried getting a glove on it, but he he didn't, and, and the puck went in and tied the game. And then a couple of defensive breakdowns for West uh, led to the final two goals and the 4-2 to two margin. But Chippewa Falls, uh, I'll, I'll mention this again in, in a later segment that they are fast and deep, and they just wear you down. Um, West skated with them for the first period, but could not keep up in the second and third. Um, and, and Chippewa Falls came away with a 4-2 victory in that. Um, then later in the week, I uh, took Brett with me. We went over to Cornerstone to watch the Central Wisconsin Storm play the Bay Area Ice Bears. Uh, this was a very good game. Two teams are very similar. 
They're both uh, aggressive on offense, and they just really concentrate on defense when they're in their zone. They clog up the middle. They don't let many shots get through. Um, they're the low. There were low shots on goal totals uh, for each team, but not because they weren't shooting, just because very few of the shots actually got through. Um, the girls did a really good job of blocking shots before they got to the goaltenders, and the, both goaltenders played well. Uh, Claire Combs for the Storm and Parker Bartholomew for the Ice Bears. Um, it was one-to-one game, went into overtime, and then something that you just don't see very often in overtime. Um, Bartho- Bartholomew went down and covered a puck in the bay in front of the Bay Area's net, and one of the Storm. Uh, skaters, you know, tried to pitchfork the puck loose from underneath their glove and promptly got knocked on her ass by uh, a Bay Area defenseman. Um, and the 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 referee immediately called a penalty on the Bay Area defenseman, but nothing on the Storm player who initiated uh, the action by, you know, by jabbing uh, the down goalie and we were situated, it was on the Norbert rink at, at Cornerstone, that's right above the players' benches. And you could see the big grin on the face of the, the storm skater who started that play. You know, she knew she got away with one, and she thought it was quite humorous. And then um, the storm scored with two seconds left on that power play. Um, so, yeah, you, 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 uh, being a former official, you know, I, I never thought that, you know, the officials determine the outcome of a game. But that's 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 just not. I've talked to several officials, including our our Wisconsin prep hockey's favorite official, and it was pretty much unanimous for everybody that I talked to that either you are going to penalize both players, or you're just going to let it go and not penalize either one. Nobody agreed on just penalizing the the defender the defender who who knocked a player down. Uh, after you know the the jab at the goalie, so well the officials um, on the ice agreed with that assessment. Huh? The officials on the ice agreed that they should just give it to the one. Well, I, I those weren't the ones that I interviewed, I guess afterwards. Um, but that was it anyway. Uh, yeah, so Bay Area came away with a two to one win in that one, um, and it was like I said, it was a good game and nice drive home afterwards. The storm came away with a two to one win. Sure, that's what I said, isn't it? Yeah, I my I just misheard you. Okay, <laughs> right. That was our games of the week from two weeks ago, and then last week was holiday tournament week, and these two have a lot to talk about. So we'll start with Dell. Thanks, Junior. Uh, on Thursday, I went to the Wisconsin Prep Hockey Holiday Classic to. On placement day to see where everybody ended up at the end of the tournament. Uh, the seventh place game was between the Sabres and the Fury. Uh, the interesting part about this was the Sabres came in having won seven of their last eight games, while the Fury had come into the tournament on a seven game winning streak, and they both lost their first two games of the tournament. Uh, and this here game, showed just how close it was as at the end of regulation, we were still tied at zero and the Sabres ended up winning it in overtime at the 251 mark 
with with the goal to come away with a one to nothing win. Uh, but you know, it was one of those games that were could have went either way all along. Uh, the consolation game was between two Eastern Shores Conference teams, the Warbirds and the Fox City Stars. And watching this game actually showed you how physical a girls game can be without there being checking involved. Nice plays of both teams being near the boards with the puck and being rubbed off off the puck and everything. And first period of this game ended up scoreless, but it was the second period where the sin bin is who benefited the most from what was going on on the ice. Uh, the Stars picked up four minor penalties in the period and the Warbirds two. And both teams ended up scoring two goals in that period. So at the end of two, we were still tied tied up, only it was two to two. And then it was the third period that the Stars put it away with a three to one uh scoring to win the game five to three. Uh, the third place game was between the Hurricanes and the Black River Falls Tigers. And this game was really dominated by Hayward. Hayward lost their semifinal game to Bay Area Ice Bears four to three. And Black River Falls had lost their semifinal game uh, to the ECA Stars by a score of four to three. But this game, it was one-to-one -one at the end of the first period, two-to-one at the end of two, and then two more goals by Hayward in the final period to win it four-to-one. And the championship game was Bay Area Ice Bears trying to get back-to-back -back championships out of the Holiday Classic, and they took on Eau Claire Area Stars, and they just dominated this game. They were up six to one after the end of two periods, put another one in in the third period to win this game seven to one. And so they ended up claiming back to back holiday classic championship. And so then on Friday, I made a trip down to Madison and caught part of the third place game between uh, the Fusion and the Lynx. And actually, when I left this game at the end of two period, uh, the Fusion led this game four to two. And it was late, it was early in the third period that Lynx tied it back up at four. And the Fusion go on to win it uh, five to four in overtime. Uh, Sunbee had four points out of the five goals for the fusion in this one. And it was Stebbins that scored the two goals in the third period to help the Lynx get this into overtime. But the championship game of that, uh, as I said, it was two of the best teams in the state mat matching up uh, the Superior Spartan and Central Wisconsin Storm. The This game was extremely close all the way through. At the end of the 
uh, first period, it was two to one superior. They, they scored the first goal 28 seconds in. Um, Autumn Cooper made a pass back to one of her teammates who slammed it into the net between between the goalie and the post right up close to, for it. And then at 2.04, the storm tied it up at one. And a minute later, the Superior scored it up, scored to make a two to one. Central Wisconsin Storm took advantage of a five on three power play in the second period to tie the game up at two. And that, I'm not going to get into how that became a five on three, but it, it was, you know, very good game. Superior scored the winning goal almost halfway through the third period to win the game three to two. Uh, great game. Look forward to seeing these two teams play each other again. Unfortunately, that could very well be in the sectional one uh, title game during the playoffs. And with that, I'll turn it over to Bill. Thanks, Dell. Yeah, and we'll go back to Burglar for the tournament games he saw. Yeah, first I made the short drive uh, back to the old stomping grounds there in Antigo. Hadn't been in the uh, hockey rink in Antigo uh, probably about three or four years since I've been in there. Uh, hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, uh, before the be, before the first game, uh, the first game was uh, DC Everest and Antigo, and uh, the, the 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 fun of that game was uh, the two Benels in net. Um, uh, Nolan Benell for Antigo, and Griffin Benell for uh, DC Everest. Griffin Bunnell is the son of Nate Bunnell, um, who, as everybody remembers, was the uh, first-line center on the Antigo 1993 state championship WIAA team. Uh, the other Bunnell, um, his dad is Brian Bunnell, who is the coach of the Antigo Red Robins this year, and when Brian Bunnell was a senior, his dad, Mike Bunnell, was the coach of the Anagrid Robins. So this was, this the, the, the whole family was there. Well, except for Eric. For some, for some reason, Eric wasn't there. Apparently, he doesn't do hockey anymore. Um, but the whole family was there. Got to talk to some of them afterwards. Well, talking between periods and stuff. Um, Mike Bunnell was the guy who actually got me into refing. Well, technically, I got myself into refing. Um because I was I was a coach and we had uh, hockey days in Antigo, which is always a big thing. All the all the teams play at home. Everybody everybody's in. All the people come out, fill the stands. Hockey days, big celebration. Um, I was coaching squirt team. Uh, the Levick brothers were were refing, and uh, they like to ref with their hands in their pockets and not call not call a whole lot of stuff that'll slow down the game. And we were playing a team from the UP uh, where they play, you know, a little bit more physical style of hockey, even at the squirt level. And uh, I was getting frustrated with the officials and I let one of them have it um, in front of a whole packed 
thing and my voice carried and was very loud. And um, anyway, uh, his mother, uh, Gail Levick, kind of ran the kitchen and she was not anybody to be messed with in in Anago hockey world. She was a, the keeper of the, the secret Anago chicken dumpling soup recipe. So I, I didn't hear from her, but I heard she asked somebody else, you know, if, if he's all high, well, why isn't he out there refing? I mean, he, he, he skates with the men's group. Uh, he coaches, he thinks he knows the rules of hockey. Why isn't he out there refing? And I, I didn't have an answer for that. Um, so I went down to see Mike Bunnell, who is in charge of our referees at the time. And, and I signed up to become an official. So um, I really became a hockey official uh, as penance for being a jerk. Um, and I, 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 I kept it up for almost 30 years uh, being a hockey official and a jerk. Um, and then I also had to go down and see Mike Bunnell a couple years later because he was also in charge of the umpires for uh, the youth baseball program. And, you know, I liked being yelled at so much in the winter. I figured well, I might as well get yelled at in the summer, you know, I'm playing baseball too. Um, but that's a little side note. But, oh, my favorite side note from umping was I was doing a senior league game. And I didn't, again, I didn't hear this directly, but uh, apparently there was somebody in the stand said, that looks like that asshole Bill Berg umping behind the plate. And my daughter, Kathy, turned around and said, well, yes, that is my dad umping behind the plate. Because she, she was there because I think her boyfriend's brother was playing. So he, he she was there with him. So anyway, um, that's a little rundown on the Bunnells, Bunnell family. Uh, well-respected by everybody in Antigo, and, and for good reason. But anyway, um, they played D.C. Everest in that first game, and Everest won. Um, and then after that game, uh, Amory was coming in, so we got to talk to our good friends Tim Hemmingsgard and Matt Humple, the coaches of Amory. Uh, it's the last time we'll be able to say that because Matt Humple is hanging it up, he said. This is his... 28th season but he's about done but he informed me of a couple of things that are going to be coming up um the middle border i forgot who he said they were but the middle border is going to add two teams next year to make it an eight team conference play each other one time and then have a conference tournament we like that um as god intended yes um and he also said that uh division two and, you know, it may break up the 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 the, the Great Northern Conference hold on Division Two because um, Ashland is getting rid of whoever else is in their co-op, and Shano, who dumped Clintonville this year, is going to be dumping uh, Bonduel next year, so that Shano and Ashland uh, will be lone single schools. And they're smaller schools, so they will be Division Two, uh, which means two other, well, two other teams will move up. But if you look at the makeup of Section Two, um, Ashland and Shano, I'm my guess would be Ashland and Shano are going to slip into uh, Section Two, and perhaps Pacelli and Wapaka, being the two southernmost schools, will be moving out somewhere. So. Depends on depends on which schools move up from Division Two to Division One. I thought that was interesting. Oh, back to that uh, 
Indigo versus Everest game. Eli Kassler and Owen Dickman, uh, two skaters for Indigo, best best players on the ice. Uh, unfortunately for Indigo, the next 10 best players on the ice were all evergreens. Um, so Kassler and Dickman did all the scoring, but uh, they're just, yeah, they need some help. Um, neither of them are seniors, so they, they should get some help next year moving up um, for Anago. I did check uh, right now, uh, Eli Kassler uh, leads the state in goals this year. I think he's got 26. Um, so he is a top goal scorer in the state at the moment. Uh, the second game, Amory uh, and Shano. I uh, was really impressed with the Shano goalie, Dylan Prohaska. Prohaska, yeah, Prohaska. Um, did a did a did a marvelous job in, in that game. I mean, he they were just Amory, you know, top ranked Division two team in the state. we we're just all over him. They 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 threw twenty two shots at him in the first period, and he only gave up three goals in that first period. Um, and then inexplicably, uh, at the start of the second period, there was somebody else in goal for 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 Shano. Um, and in seven minutes, the 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 score went from three to nothing, Amory to nine to nothing, Amory, and they put Dylan Prohaska back in. And the game ended up nine to nothing. But I, 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 I didn't ask. I didn't really stick around. We didn't even stick around at the end of the game. Once it got to nine to nothing, Brett and I just left. So I don't know why they they switched goalies. But it, uh, unless their goal is to get to running time, it, it, it you know, whatever other reason they may have had, it, it didn't really work. Um, but that was Anago. Then from there we went to Cornerstone. Um, Where we saw what we saw Chippewa Falls again. We saw them playing against uh, St. Mary Springs, and it was a very similar game to the game we saw. I saw Chippewa Falls play against Wausau West. Um, the game started out uh, favoring Springs. Springs outshot Chippewa Falls six to five in the first period and scored the only goal. In the first period, uh, the 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 picture with the exploding water bottle uh, was the was the goal. Chippewa Falls scored in that period, um, and for Springs, their goalie was Brendan Geertig. Uh, in the second period, again, uh, Chippewa Falls fast and deep. They just wore them down. Uh, shots were six to five. Springs in the first period. In the second period, they were twenty two to five in favor of Chippewa Falls, but Geertig kept the, the the puck out of the net, and it was still one nothing Springs after two periods. But uh things did finally he he ran out of he ran out of uh, out of luck. Um the, the pressure from from Chippewa Falls is just too much. Uh they scored twice in the third period, ended up winning two to one. But Again, Chippewa Falls outshot Springs 14 to nothing in that third period. So I don't know whether they start out slow or whether the other, I mean, the other team has to work so hard to keep up with them that they just they just wear them down and they've just dominated second and third periods in both games where I saw them play. 
Uh, the other game I saw was Wausau West and uh, Madison Edgewood. Uh, that was back and forth. Well, not back and forth. Edgewood scored a couple of goals, then West would come back and Edgewood would score, and West would come back and Edgewood would score again. Um, but they 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 couldn't. Uh, they they never did get to tie the game. And Edgewood, I mean, we had them ranked number one. I didn't really see any, you know, any like outstanding or you know standout players on Edgewood, but but they're all they're they're solid and deep. Uh, the the only disappointing part was they didn't get to see uh, Rowan White play. Um, they started their other goalie, who's uh, also very good and could probably start for most many many other teams in the state. Um, what else we got there? Uh, uh, oh, I also got to talk to Matt Carey when I was there. Uh, Matt Carey, who's written several articles for us uh, recently, kind of become a regular contributor. He was there. Well, he was there because he got a kid playing on Chippewa Falls. But he also he also scouts for um, Cal Roadhouse, who does the the HP eighteen team that plays in that NIT tournament. Uh, over in Minnesota in the spring. So he does some scouting for him, looking mainly at, you know, like, well, juniors and, and sophomores. Um, there were a couple of guys he was interested in talking to that were there. He also told me that uh, to keep an eye on uh, this player from Tomahawk, uh, who we're going to be seeing probably on Thursday, Austin Lamer, a defenseman for Tomahawk, who's uh, only a sophomore, and only 5'9". No, he's a junior. 25? Class of 25, junior? Okay. Um, but yeah, apparently he 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 can do wonderful things with the puck. Um, so I'm interested in seeing that. Uh, he's also telling me about uh, Spash, uh, Grant Molsky, and Jackson Schrader. Apparently they're uh, quite the dynamic duo. Um so it was good. I got to go around to a bunch of rinks and talk to a bunch of people and uh, have a good time. I like holiday tournaments. That's it. And you didn't even talk about your oopsie. No, no, they don't. They don't need to know about that. Scheduling error. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Moving on to our best Western Premier Park Hotel players of the week uh, for the two-week period. Our boys player of the week is uh, Drew Sparacino, from senior defenseman and captain of the Brookfield Stars. On Friday, the twenty-second of December, he had two goals in uh, in an eight-to-two win over Marquette. Uh, Saturday, the twenty-third, he had two goals and two assists in an eleven-one win over Waukesha. Uh, both Marquette and Waukesha have gotten top six votes, but uh, Brookfield spanked them both pretty hard uh, that uh, before Christmas. And then over the holiday, uh, he spent it in uh, Minnesota. Uh, he had a goal in their three to one loss to Proctor. Um, no points in their two to one win over Osseo, but he's a defenseman, so that's to be expected. And then he had an assist in their six to five win over Hopkins uh, in their tournament in Minnesota. And then on the girls' side, our best Western Premier Heart. Park Hotel Player of the Week is Kendall Sunby, senior defenseman of the St. Croix Valley Fusion. Uh, she had a goal and an assist in a 3-2 win over Hudson on the 19th. 
a goal and two assists and a nine to nothing win over Hooli region on the Thursday, the 21st, Saturday, the 23rd, she had two goals and an assist and a five to three loss to superior. Uh, then after the holiday, uh, on the 27th Wednesday, she had four goals and a four to nothing win over the Wisconsin Valley Union. Uh, Thursday, the 28th, she had two goals in the four to two loss to the Central Wisconsin Storm. And then on Friday, the 29th, she had a goal and three assists and a five to four win over Madison Metro. So Kendall Sunby had a buttload of points in those six games over two weeks, uh, counting for. A golden assist on just about all of their goals, except for their their blowout win over Cooley Region. And moving on to our top sixes. Uh, despite the fact we skipped last week with the top sixes, Division Two has not changed. Amory is number one, New Richmond is two, Oregon is three, Lakeland is four, River Falls is five, and McFarland is sixth. Also receiving votes are Menominee, Somerset, St. Mary's Springs, and Tomahawk. Uh, it's worth noting that Amory, New Richmond, Oregon, and Lakeland, I believe, all received for at least one first-place vote. On the girls' side, Superior is still number one. Uh, Central Wisconsin moves back up into the second seat, second spot, and St. Croix Valley moves back down to the third spot. Uh, Bay Area goes up to fourth. Hudson drops down to fifth. And Hayward comes in. They were not ranked last week. Uh, also receiving votes were the University School of Milwaukee. And then in Division One, it's all topsy-turvy. Spash moves up three spots to number one. Uh, Chippewa Falls moves up three spots to number two. Uh, Brookfield drops two spots to number three. Bayport drops one spot to number four. Madison Edgewood drops four spots to number five. And Eau Claire Memorial takes over the sixth spot. They were not ranked last time. Uh, also receiving votes were the Avalanche Co-op down in Lacrosse. They're 10-2 and two right now. Uh, as well as Hudson, Notre Dame, and Waukesha. Yeah, it's interesting to note that I mean, there's a lot of movement on the on the boys' side, uh, primarily because with the exception of Brookfield, all those teams were playing each other. They were either in Green Bay or in Appleton. Yes. Um, and so, I yeah. looked up something you may or may not find interesting. Uh, the goalie for Brookfield, not Brookfield, for Bayport, whose name suddenly escapes me. Well, let me grab it here. Uh, Devin Rusley. He's been their goalie for three years now, starting as a sophomore. Uh, in the last three seasons, he has played St. Mary Springs, Nina Menasha Hortonville, Notre Dame, or Spash 18 times, which is a lot. That game against Spash, that last game they played against Spash, was the first time he's ever given up six goals as a varsity hockey player despite playing those four very high-powered offensive teams 18 times. Um, so uh, Spash worked very hard for their new number one ranking. All right, and then our upcoming games of the week. Tuesday, uh, Dell is going to be in Black River Falls to see Northland Pines taking on Black, Black River Falls. Uh, of course, Northland Pines this year absorbed what was the Northern Edge last year. So uh, Northland Pines is quite the uh, group now, uh, taking on the Black River Falls Co-op. That'll be Tuesday. And then Thursday, Burglar and I are going up to Manaqua to see Tomahawk take on Lakeland. Yeah, I, I want to see Tomahawk. Um, I was surprised when I saw that they were in that tournament over in Appleton. 
Um, because that's that's a lot of high-powered teams that were over there. I mean, Spash and Bayport were there. Um Superior was there, you know, and then there's Tomahawk. And I mean, I, I wasn't surprised that that Tomahawk lost all three games they played. What I was surprised at was the scores. They were in every game. They were they were competitive against, you know, some very high powered opponents, mostly division one. Yeah, and like even the the scores are kind of misleading. Um shots against Nina and Superior were both basically even and Tomahawk actually outshot university school by quite a margin um in the game that they ended up the, the third game of the tournament that they lost. So uh, you know this is you know, Tomahawk they're not that far removed from some really rough seasons. Uh, where they were, you know, just winning a handful of games, if that, um, and now they're getting they're getting top six votes, and they're doing uh, they're currently undefeated in the in GNC play. Yeah, I did I did look at their schedule and I thought was oh, something entered wrong because um, they, they they've played Mosini twice and they split with Mosini, but only the first one counted as a conference game because they only play each other once in conference and in the tournament. So the second one was not a conference game. So they are both teams, Lakeland and Tomahawk are both unbeaten in the great GNC this year. So that should be a good game. Does Austin Lamer own a bus company? <laughs> I don't know that. There's a lot of Lamer's buses up here in Northern Wisconsin. Uh, getting to our final thoughts for this week, uh, Burglar mentioned something when we were just talking at his house the other day. Um, we had talked during one of our couple of our net guard discussions that, uh, besides the 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 the, the cut proof net guards that people are wearing now, net guards used to have you know a hard plastic piece in them, you know, in case you got hit in the neck with a puck. And that is exactly what happened to a Chippewa Falls player. At one of the games burglar was at a player took a puck to the neck and went down on the ice thankfully i believe he was fine but um again net guards important not just for cuts yeah the ideal neck guard would have obviously the the the, the kevlar uh cut proof thing but also at least at least a semi-rigid pad in the front because it was a slap shot that you know it it deflected off somebody's stick, but that didn't really slow it down. It just changed the trajectory, hit him right, right, right in the throat, and down he went. Actually, what I didn't one. understand was that they, uh, I mean, they blew the whistle because he was like down on the ice and and injured and stuff, and um, they had the face off outside the zone, even though it was in his defensive zone. So I don't know why they did that. Didn't seem important at the time, but I was gonna say, did they mark it from the shot location? But that would have been inside the zone anyway. That was inside the zone. Any other thoughts this week, gentlemen? Uh once again, I know that uh Jim Hayes has sent out another email this uh last couple of days about the 
uh, Hobie Baker Award to both the boys and girls coaches. Just to keep it on your radar, we're actually in January now, so th and those votes need to get turned in the beginning of February. So, and despite my best efforts, if you recall our conversation with Coach Brandt two weeks ago, where I said I feel like I shouldn't have to send a reminder to the coach to send coaches to send in their top six votes. Got a whole bunch of votes today after I sent out a reminder. So apparently that's just going on the schedule now. Sometime on Sunday, I'll be sending out an email reminder to the, the coaches to send in their top six votes. All right, I think that's it for us. So for Billberg and Del Scanlon, I'm Billberg Jr. Uh, we'll see you next week on This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.